Section 37 of Stratagems and Conspiracies to Defraud Life Insurance Companies. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Stratagems and Conspiracies to Defraud Life Insurance Companies, an Authentic Record of Remarkable Cases, by John B. Lewis and Charles C. Bombow. Homicide, Part 14. The Gossutterzook Tragedy, Part 13. Elmer Pyle, a bright, intelligent-looking boy of ten years, was called, and examined by the court, and then qualified as a witness. I am a son of Mr. Francis M. Pyle. I have seen the prisoner before. It looks like him. It was some time last June, on Monday, I think. I was on my father's farm. I first saw him coming up the road, and next saw him under the cherry-tree by the roadside. I again saw him at the upper end of our orchard. There was a man with him. I was with them a good bit. The first time I heard them talk much to each other was about the eyeglasses. They were then at the cherry-tree. I was there, too. I went down there to them. The one who had the cap on, not the prisoner, wanted to look for cherries. Then he asked his man here, Utterzook, if he had seen anything of his eyeglasses, and they looked around on the ground for them. After this he found them behind his back. They were fastened to a black string, and were hanging down behind his back. I saw them there. He then commenced to look for cherries, and then he said, Doctor, you had better go up to the shed out of the rain. The doctor called the other man, Comrade. Then I went away. I saw them afterwards at the upper part of the orchard. I went to the house, and father was going to the barn and met the doctor coming towards the house. The doctor asked if he could have something for himself and comrade to eat. Father told them to inquire at the house, and I went in with him to the house. He asked mother for something to eat, and she told him to go round to the front porch, and he did so. She got him something to eat, and asked him if he wanted some water, and he said yes. So I went for a pitcher and tumbler, and then he went up to where the other man was under the tree. They commenced to eat then, both of them. They asked me to take back the dishes, and I did so. They then went down the lane, and up the road towards Jennerville. That is the last I saw of them. Question. Do you recollect, so that you can give any description of these men? Answer. The comrade had on a cap, and I saw some kind of a button up here on his shirt, at the neck. I saw he had some kind of gaiter shoes on. I noticed the gum and the straps to pull them on with. The doctor had a straw hat on. Elizabeth J. Pyle. I am the wife of Francis M. Pyle of West Grove. I saw the prisoner at the bar with another man in our orchard in the forenoon of Monday, the thirtieth day of last June. Mr. Utterzook afterwards came to the house and asked me if he could have something to eat for himself and comrade. I told him that he could. He said they had come out on a day's excursion. He wore a suit of dark blue, a high-crowned straw hat with the rim turned up. He had on a white collar and a long blue necktie, the ends hanging down upon the bosom, but not far enough to hide his shirt studs. Cross-examination. I know it was on Monday because it was wash day and I had been to church the day before. I have a distinct recollection of that. 
I am certain Utterzook had on a suit of dark blue clothes and a blue necktie. He had three small shirt studs. They looked like a clear white stone in a gold setting. They were small and pretty. I was standing very close to him and observed his appearance. I remember this positively. No one has since spoken to me of this or how he was dressed. My husband that day told me who Utterzook was. David R. Mullen recalled. I have said that I reside in Cooperstown, and that A.C. Wilson once boarded with me. A piece of wood, with ratchet end, handed to witness. This is part of a screwdriver model that Wilson made while he was at my house. It is of pine wood, and cut out with his knife. This, and one other piece of the screwdriver, was taken out from the model when he had completed it, and Abram Good, who is a mechanic, made some smoother pieces, which were put into the screwdriver in the place of these. Wilson took the model away with him, but these two pieces he placed upon my porch, and left them there when he went away. I saw him at work upon it, and saw him put it together when completed. John J. Chambers. I reside in West Grove, Pennsylvania, and am agent for the Baltimore Central Railroad Company. A person called at my office, on or about the 30th of June last, and asked me the road to Jennerville. It was immediately after the 9.30 morning train had arrived from Philadelphia. A valise was left there, and it remained several days. Samuel C. Jeffress. I reside in Lancaster City, having moved there on the 17th of last month. Prior to that time, I lived in Jennerville, where I kept a hotel. The prisoner at the bar came to my house in Jennerville, accompanied by another man, arriving at about nine o'clock in the evening of the 30th of June last. He asked for supper. I told him it was too late, but I gave him a lunch. I told him we were about to retire, and if they wished to remain all night, I would then show them to their rooms, that they could stay if they wished. Utterzook paid for the lunch, and said he would consult with his friend and tell me in a moment whether they would remain or not. He soon came back and said they would stay. I showed them up to a room fronting the south in the second story. A drover by the name of Harvey Townley occupied the adjoining room. The next morning I saw Mr. Utterzook when he came downstairs. I asked him if his friend was not coming down to breakfast, or if he was ready for breakfast. He told me his friend was indisposed and would not come down. At breakfast, Mr. Townley, Mr. Utterzook, and myself were the only persons at the table. After breakfast, Mr. Utterzook carried his friend's breakfast up to him in his room. He inquired about a team, and I referred him to Mr. Edwin Patchell as having a horse and buggy which he could probably get. He told me, as I left him then, that he would be back for his friend by dinner time. I did not see him go away. He returned about six o'clock in the afternoon. This was the evening of the first day of July. He had a horse and buggy with him, falling top wagon. It was a bay horse. I noticed the lap blanket folded and lying on the seat. He watered his horse and held some conversation with his friend, the man who was at my house. This man was on the porch. They went to one side and held some conversation which I did not hear or pay any attention to. 
As they separated, I heard Utterzook say to him that he was going to see his mother. He said he would be back in half an hour, and he then drove down the road in the direction of his mother's. He returned in about half an hour afterwards. I saw the man who came with him at about two o'clock that afternoon for the first time that day. I had been away from home and returned at about two o'clock. The evening before when they arrived, I handed them their lunch, and they ate it while sitting on the porch. I did not observe the man particularly that evening. When I came home at about two o'clock, I went into the dining room, which was darkened, and saw a man lying on the lounge. The shutter windows were closed. About four o'clock I was passing the front of the house. This man was on the porch and called me to him. We had some conversation there for about half an hour. We were at the table together at supper. Harvey Townley and my son George were at the table with us. I saw more or less of him from four o'clock until he left with Mr. Utterzook. It was in the neighborhood of seven o'clock when he left in the carriage with Mr. Utterzook. When they drove off, they went in the direction of Cochranesville. Mr. Utterzook was dressed in a suit of dark clothes and a straw hat. The other man was about five feet eight or nine inches, with dark hair and dark mustache. He was rather a fine-looking man, stood erect, and I would suppose him to be in the neighborhood of forty years of age. My judgment would be that he would weigh about one hundred and seventy-five or one hundred and eighty pounds. They came on Monday and went away on Tuesday evening. Photograph handed to witness. The man standing in this picture resembles the man who was with Utterzook. Mrs. Margaret Jeffress. I am the wife of Samuel C. Jeffress, the preceding witness. I saw the prisoner at the bar in Jennerville on the 30th day of June last, at the time when he asked my husband for supper. I saw Mr. Utterzook at the breakfast table the next morning, and waited on him there. He told me he would take the other man's breakfast up to him in his room, and I prepared to give it to Mr. Utterzook, who went out of the dining room with it. I did not see him again that day. Mr. Utterzook and the other man occupied the same room. There was only one bed in the room. Between nine and ten o'clock in the forenoon, I saw the man who had come with Utterzook standing on our front porch fanning himself. It was a warm day. I held some conversation with him and inquired particularly as to his health. I informed him that we would close the dining-room shutters and he could lie on our lounge there. The next I saw of him, he was lying on the lounge in the dining-room. I had some five or ten minutes' conversation with him in the dining-room. He soon afterwards came and rapped on the kitchen door, and I opened it and I talked with him a little while. I next saw him as I was going to the cupboard in the dining-room. That was after eleven o'clock. He was lying down as I went into the dining-room. He jumped up straight and said he would pay any price for some liquor. Mr. McVeigh. One moment. The court. He jumped up straight and said something? Witness. He did. The court. We will not hear what he said. Witness. He then ordered his dinner and I prepared it for him. It was then about twelve o'clock. He ate his dinner alone. He ate quite heartily. I again saw him lying on the lounge, apparently asleep, 
at about two o'clock in the afternoon. I afterwards saw him sitting on our porch at about tea time. I did not see him afterwards. He was a stout-built man, nice-appearing but rather soiled. He had a full face, dark side-whiskers and mustache. His chin looked dark as though it needed shaving. His hair was dark. I don't know whether black or brown. In appearance I thought he was the straightest man I ever saw. He was full-chested. He wore no vest and no collar. As he lay upon the lounge I noticed that he wore shoes, cannot say what kind of shoes. I noticed his white stockings between his pants and shoes. I think I would recognize the man if I should see him again. Photograph handed to witness. The one standing in this picture resembles the man. I never saw this picture before. Mr. Utterzook was dressed in a suit of dark clothes. Harvey Townley. I reside in Crawford County, Pennsylvania. Am a drover and farmer. I saw the prisoner on the evening of the 30th of June last at Mr. Jeffress's hotel in Jennerville. I was lying on the dining-room lounge when Mr. Jeffress came in with two gentlemen, and lighting a candle, said, You two gentlemen wish to room together? The prisoner here replied that they did. Mr. Jeffress showed them upstairs, and soon afterwards I retired to my own room, which proved to be adjoining theirs. It may have been twenty minutes after they had gone upstairs that I went to my room. I could hear them talking in their room, and could hear that they had not yet retired. I went to bed immediately and went to sleep. About midnight I was awakened by a noise in their room. I did not know what the noise was, unless someone was up and stirring about in there. I got up and lighted my candle, looked at my watch, and saw it was a little after twelve o'clock. I then put out the light and went back to bed. They were talking in a low tone of voice, and I could not understand what was said. I then went to sleep and slept until morning. I saw the prisoner at breakfast the next morning. He said his friend was unwell during the night, and that he had had a great deal of trouble with him for a couple of nights. After breakfast I went out and sat in the porch. Soon after, this gentleman, the prisoner, came out and sat down at the right of me on the same bench. Mr. Jeffress came out and sat down there with us. Mr. Utterzook asked Jeffress if he had a team that he could have to go to Penningtonville, and Jeffress told him he could not let him have his horse as he was going away himself with it. Just then Mr. Wallace came across the street and up to the porch and said to Utterzook, If William Utterzook was in this country, I should say you were he. Mr. Utterzook said that that was his name. Mr. Wallace then came and sat down in the porch, and I went away. In the evening, after supper, as I was going over to the store, I heard a wagon rattle past, and looking I saw Mr. Utterzook driving towards the hotel. As I came back from the store, I saw Utterzook and the man who was with him at the hotel get into the wagon and drive off towards the north. I had known Utterzook's mother and sister for a good many years, and when I learned who he was, I observed him particularly. He was dressed in a suit of navy blue cloth, and he wore a straw hat. I saw the man who was with him at the supper table that day. He was a good-looking man, 
pretty square shoulders, erect, dark hair, side whiskers, and mustache. The photograph handed to witness. The one standing resembles the man whom I saw with utter zook. George C. Jeffress. I am the son of Samuel C. Jeffress. I saw the prisoner at the bar on the first day of July last, in his room at the hotel in Jennerville. I was sent up to call him to breakfast, and I knocked on his door when he opened it, and I then saw him. I again saw him after he came down. I saw the man who was there with him. I first saw this man at about three o'clock that afternoon, and I again saw him at the supper table and ate supper with him. He was a stout man with broad shoulders, throwing his shoulders well back, high forehead, mustache, and side whiskers. Witness identified the picture of the man standing in the photograph heretofore introduced in evidence. John A. Wallace. I reside in Jennerville. I know the prisoner at the bar, have known him fifteen years or more. I saw him in Jennerville on the morning of the first day of July last. As I walked up to the tavern porch, I saw a man sitting there, and as I came up to him I said, This is Billy Utterzook from Baltimore, if I am not mistaken. He raised his head and spoke in a low tone of voice, so that I did not hear his reply to me. That is the same man, pointing to the prisoner. Mr. Townley and Mr. Jeffress were on the porch at the time. Charles Watson I lived in the house of Mrs. Jane Utterzook, the mother of William E. Utterzook. I knew the prisoner. I saw him on the evening of the 1st of July as I was going to my workshop. My business is that of wagon-making. It was about six o'clock in the evening when I saw him. He was driving a bay horse harnessed to a top buggy, and there was a loose horse, a bay mare that belonged to Edwin Patchell, walking ahead of him. The mare had a saddle and bridle on. I was going into the gate of my house at the time. I noticed he had a summer lap blanket spread over his knees as he was driving. I saw a stranger on the porch of the hotel that day. I saw him as I went back and forth from my shop and noticed him particularly. He was rather a large-sized man, heavy set, and when he stood erect he was so straight he apparently leaned backwards, throwing his shoulders well back. He had black hair, black side-whiskers, and mustache. The photograph heretofore introduced in evidence handed to witness. The person standing looks like the man I saw. End of section 37